0: Episode 255 of the Global From Asia podcast, talking accounting and e-commerce. Let's do it. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host,
1: Michael Michelini.
0: Thank you everybody for choosing to download and listen or stream Global From Asia, episode 255. Recording in Shenzhen, China, my old home base, and uh, this is an intense few days. As uh, I said last week, we are uh, moving to Guangzhou for the cross-border summit, October 22nd, 23rd. I was there for one night and an intense mostly full day, and for those that know the, what is it called, Greater Bay Area, or the PRD, Pearl River Delta, or South China, probably know the whole Hong Kong, Guangzhou, Dongguan, Shenzhen—mania of trains and buses and taxis—and while well, it's intense, it's a pretty amazing how much you can get around this huge landmass with. I don't even know how many, how many people—thirty million total, some more than thirty. You know, each city's like 15, 20 million, say so times three or four, you know, it's insane. Well, um, but. So it's pretty amazing we can get around without a car, you know, in Chiang Mai. It's my wife that drives. I don't like to drive. But uh, you kind of almost have to have a car there, especially with a family. But anyway, we're really excited. We're basically locked down a venue for the 22nd, 23rd of October. We're going all in, focusing on this as our main event. You know, we did some workshops, meetups, roundtables, some online boot camps and things like that. And decided to fully focus our efforts on one great event for the community so if you do enjoy what you're listening to and you want to find a way to contribute to the cause but not just it's not just a donation it's a pretty valuable event so we'd love to see you there it's going to be amazing we have so many amazing speakers already and, and i'm a little bit backlogged we've gotten totally overwhelmed with people that want to speak and uh, it's we're not we're not ignoring people we just are trying to figure out a process of vetting all these uh Applications of people that want to share their amazing experiences and knowledge, and it's uh, it's pretty good. People, it's different sellers and traders and service providers and experts within, of course, Amazon and cross-border e-commerce. But anyway, I'll 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 slow down a little bit. But we just uh, you know it was great to catch up with some people in the community the last few days here. Uh, It's the home base or my original base for quite a few years. So this week's show we have talking about accounting and bookkeeping you know I know some of you are like cringing actually like me and uh, Bean Ninjas has been doing really great I actually was on there we'll be on their podcast in the f- near future with Merrill, the host and founder there and today we have Wayne Richard he's a biz dev networking expert and bookkeeping expert and we we chat a little bit about Try to stay within this whole cross-border world of accounting, which is extremely important because you're dealing with so many currencies, so many different banks, probably. Or, you know, that, I think this is honestly really important to, to 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 try to take control of is your accounting because a lot of people look at the top line on their Amazon or the top line of their business, but what really matters is the stuff that happens after the top line. You know, how much are you actually spending? where is it going and also in the top line which of those products or which of those services that you sell is working the best and making you the most money so we talk about all different kinds of conversations we also share a little bit some of the experiences he's also loves working with online teams he works remotely too so we we chat about that as well and uh, it's it's a good episode and i hope it inspires you to take better control of your finances and your books because I don't like it either, you know. I'll be honest. I don't. I, I. I'm not a books person, but it's important, and I really hope you take that serious. And hopefully, you learn some things in today's show. And uh, let's let's tune in. Enjoying the show? And want to support our sponsors? goremit.hk is one of our key sponsors here at the show. They are a cross-border payment solution provider for your Hong Kong bank to paying in southeast asia and mainland china for suppliers virtual assistants paying your rent paying damages for crazy things you might have done and partying i won't get into my own story but you know we really appreciate them supporting this show and it keeps the show going and keeps the team going We actually have quite a bit of people that help make this podcast. Of course, you hear my voice and our guests, but there's amazing people a lot in the Philippines, some in China, Hong Kong, other parts of the world that help make this show happen, and we use GoRemit to pay them. So if you do want to use solutions for your VAs or your online team or your suppliers in China, definitely check out www.goremit.hk. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this new episode. Interview. um It's going to be a fun one, you know. I, I, uh we got Wayne Richard from Bean Ninjas. Thanks for coming on, Wayne. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me. Excited we were, to chat. Yeah, we've already been doing a little bit of pre-interview talk, and I feel like we should. I'm like, I hit to record, hit to record, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fascinating already. Before we even got started, um we've been, I've, we've known of, you know, of course, Be Ninjas. I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of your. Uh, company and do you want to give before we jump in do you want to give a little background about about yourself and the company
1: Sure so my name is Wayne Richard I'm the director of global operations and I lead the sales activities at Bean Ninjas Bean Ninjas is a zero bookkeeping training and small business financial education and reporting company we have a global dispersed team and service clients around the globe
0: Awesome yeah i mean I was recently, on, at least, uh, re- interviewed on your sh- your show. You guys have a podcast as well, and uh, you, you're you know you work you are practicing what you preach in a way. You have the online teams. A lot of our listeners are cross border sellers and 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 doing international business. So I'm sure that today's show there's so much we could talk about. I mean, it's gonna be hard probably to keep it in one show. Maybe we could have a follow up. But I think uh, you know I I was just catching up about our listeners. I think a lot of them are using this keyword cross border, which means uh, I think we would define cross-borders between two countries, right? Like usually it's buying in one country, selling in another. Absolutely. And, and I Yeah, go ahead. I'm seeing a lot of similarities. I mean,
1: I see your audience very focused on building e-commerce businesses, but as we were talking about earlier, the accounting space is is in the same trajectory where they're no longer those boundaries of having to have an office downtown and only having an opportunity to service those clients that could have a physical presence with you in your office. Through technology, we now have the opportunity to service clients across the globe.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing time now. I mean, I, yeah, we have amazing people on our team here at Masia and our other businesses that work, you know, uh, around the world that. It's crazy, actually. It's amazing. It's and uh the cool thing, my favorite part of it actually just I don't wanna get into a big rant, but that whole uh, entitlement problem of people in certain countries thinking they're born in a certain country they should be guaranteed some kind of a job or opportunity. It that kinda always makes me a little bit I'm not gonna go with specific people, but even in my friend network, you know, they think like you know, that they, because they're in this certain location they should be granted certain benefits, which I don't believe in. I think, you know, we should be granted be um, compensated and rewarded based on our ability, not 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 our, uh, you know, birthright. <laughs> but anyway, and I- how exciting is it that you can now source the the
1: best talent for the specific job you're looking to hire?
0: Exactly. Before
1: you were limited to those people that were within a reasonable commute into your office space. Now you have an opportunity to put out a very specific job description, have a very clear outline of the roles and responsibilities you're looking to fill, and you have an audience across the globe. Yeah. So you can spend time truly getting the best talent, and oftentimes when you go cross-border for a rate that's much less than what you could find for resources within
0: your own city. It's it's true, it's amazing. I mean. I've been. I think listeners too have been doing it for a while, and you've been doing it a while. I feel like that whole world is flat is coming pretty hyper fast. You know, I've seen prices kind of going up and going down. You know, I'm seen that flattening happening. I mean, it's still a huge opportunity, but the gap is is starting. Not I don't want to say close, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's uh, it is starting to really flatten because you know these good people that might be in quote unquote cheap places, their prices have been going up. I mean, I've I, I think you might agree, but I mean. It's pretty amazing uh, to see that even happening.
1: Absolutely, I'll touch base on on one of my favorite parts. I think we talked a little earlier about our families, and yes. for me, it's I, I'll spend the end of the day with my globe, and I'll show my kids where I've spoken with people throughout the day and had meetings. Mm. And in some days, I'll I may have spoken with people in seven different. Seven different countries, truly on the other side of the world, on the other hemisphere. And having grown up the way I did in a very blue collar, small town in New England, the world is not much larger than New England. And to think now that I have the ability to have face to face via web conversations, um, meetings with people clearly on the other side of the world is pretty mind blowing.
0: It is. It's. I mean, just like this exact show, right? Like I'm in Thailand. You're you're in Arizona now, I think, right? And that's uh, right. I don't even know. I don't even ask people anymore. <laughs> like, and, and then uh, somebody's gonna be listening to this. You know, who knows? Somewhere, and I think we got listeners. You know, in South Africa or some, for example. I think Phil listens, and some others. And it's it's just mind mind blowing. Uh, And I think it's scary for the lazy people, right? Like I don't want to get on that rant again. But if you're just going to sit in your laurels and just say uh, I'm just going to like stick with the traditional jobs or opportunities in my region and yeah, I mean you're going to keep falling behind. So I think people got to get off their butt and learn and grow their skills and and build a business or make their own opportunity. So – Let's uh, let's maybe I I kind of want to focus today. There's so much we could talk about. I'm fascinated by this, but I think we want to talk a little bit about what you probably see on a day-to-day basis: is bookkeeping for cross-border businesses you know, Amazon is like, taking over the world and there's these sellers making millions. But I think it just gets really complex in a way. Maybe, obviously, it might be hard to do on a generic podcast without, you know, knowing people's cases. But I think we can talk about some tips and tricks for bookkeeping with somebody, the typical Amazon seller that's or business owner that's buying from a factory in China. Maybe it has a Hong Kong company or it has maybe a Singapore company or even a U.S. company and then they're selling in America. There's obviously people doing Europe. I mean... It's fascinating to me, and uh, you know, I just think maybe you can give us—we can talk about, it or I can ask you some more specific questions. Yeah. But I think it's—it's um, it's complex, you know. It's and uh, it's getting more and more common. More and more people are doing it. I mean, I'm—I'm I 1st figuring that out in like 2006, within still in my job, day job in New York. But you know, how, uh, do you want me to give you some specific? Maybe we can give an overview oh, of okay. what you're seeing now, and then we can kind of have this conversation. Yeah. I guess I'll start with a story of of
1: the most amazing clients that come to us. So I have a unique ability because of my role in sales to hear the startup stories of the customers that B Ninjas goes on to support, but also as our director of global operations, I have I and maintain the client relationship. So across about my three years in supporting Bean Ninjas, I've been able to see people that have come to us with an idea that in a a goal of building a company and in two or three years being in a position to exit that company for life-changing money. And in looking at what they've done to become successful, I see some key things. I think first, from day one, Build your business financial structure and organize your bookkeeping as if you were positioning to sell. And what I mean by that is have systems in place to store and organize source documents, purchase orders, executed invoices. Have a place that you record your income and expenses, not simply a bank statement where you're seeing net deposits. But be in a position to understand what your true top-line gross sales are. Split from those, your relative expenses, for instance, for Amazon, for FBA fees, for storage charges, for ad spent, so that you can, one, while executing and operating in your business, you can be strategic about where you're spending money. But also, when you are looking to sell your business, you will be asked to present financials. And if you can come to the table with clear financials that have source documents that support areas of spend, that show growth very clearly in things like top-line sales, in a strategy where you've been effective in terms of spending within the business, and a clear understanding of what expenses could be removed from the the business, when you exit, you position yourself for a higher sales price down the road.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's that buzzword. I was waiting for you to say it, but working on your business, not in your business. But I think that's another big goal that we should all have as business owners. Um, So much of us love to get into details. I've had critical feedback from even podcast guests and friends that I, I love getting my hands dirty too, personally. But I think we have to realize we have to step back and uh, and look at it holistically. And I guess the best way is these numbers, right? That's that's really what. Whether you're selling or you're a business owner, have business partners, you know. There's KPIs is a big buzzword, or you having metrics that you can then uh, really grow your business and and think about it strategically as a business owner rather than as a as a I guess you can say employee. Or even employees should have numbers, right? But um, you know, if you want to really be a business owner, you have to know your numbers, I would say. It's much, yeah, it goes
1: back, yeah. it goes back to the adage you, you can't manage what isn't measured. And in bookkeeping and in financial reporting, you have the ability to look at your financials as both a history lesson. So, bookkeeping is basically just the organization of your transactions to help tell you where you've spent your money. And I like to relate it to, you know, personal finance philosophies like Dave Ramsey. And like there's there's other um, the profit first methodology and also even with rich dad, poor dad, you know, it's it's not enough just to understand where your money has gone or where your money is coming in from. But it's important to be proactive and look at your numbers and have a future focus to tell your money where you want it to go. So without having metrics or an understanding and and narrating that story that's coming out of those financial reports, you can't strategically plan for where your business wants to go. You're almost just operating looking in the rearview mirror rather than a bit looking into the crystal ball if you will but doing so with some very
0: sound guidance through the metrics that you've understood yep agreed so i think i can have some some questions i could imagine some some listeners having um you know multi-currency is such a such a challenge is there some tips you can give on cross-border businesses maybe buying from a factory i guess usually there is a little bit easier because the factory is usually quote an fob us dollar usually you're operating in us dollar but is there any any strategies or tactics or or something we could maybe chat about or i i could speak more specifically to tools so i think what's important
1: is once you have your business organized where you have an ability to operate in multi-currency, where you've established banking in multiple countries, or you have the sufficient Stripe accounts to manage the transactions that need to be managed within your daily operations, you need a place where you can record that. So at B Ninjas, we are an exclusive provider and utilize only the Zero bookkeeping and accounting cloud solution. And we found that Zero supports multi-currency, allows for you a place where you can understand the balances and the transactions that are running through your various accounts, but also report those multi-currency accounts and transactions in a way where your reporting is populated in a single currency. And it's typically the currency in the country that you're operating or you're licensed your business out of. So it gives you a level platform to understand how one area of spend might be measured against another.
0: Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, that's just sometimes you just feel like your head's upside down. I mean, I, I literally, um, I'm literally uh, overwhelmed sometimes with paying a peso bot. RMB, Hong Kong dollar, and U.S. dollar is kind of what I'm operating in, almost at least monthly. So it's true. I mean, having a a base currency is is definitely critical. And then is
1: that normally, and it's just I mean, natural when you start seeing you know Hong Kong dollars as a, your mind automatically thinks it's a huge number. Hmm. You you see all the zeros, and you've got to process a little bit. Okay, that 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 FX rate is this and you have some emotion that originally goes in so i think when you have an opportunity to put everything into one currency you have a level framework where you be- can begin to measure uh, and compare
0: areas of spend against one another agreed and then there's um you know what are some some other things i'm just trying to think of you know even even we have a case sure. study of being a seller i guess it's a little bit easier with a us based company you think is this all settling in dollars i don't think there's multi-currency and banks in america that i know of Uh, maybe i'm wrong
1: i think i think it's similar in terms of the complexity of managing cross-border companies headquartered or founded in different countries we support clients with hong kong limited corporations and um we support clients across many countries. And really what it comes down to is having a system in place, executing across that system with processes that can be replicated, can be given to staff members to manage. But also it's just cross your T's and dot your I's. If you have an opportunity or you're provided a source document, utilize tools like HubDoc to store those documents and feed them directly into Xero. Those tools even work in multi-currency where you can push documents um, like invoices that have been paid or receipts that you've received and feed them into your accounting solution Xero directly from these other receipt and expense management solutions.
0: Mm, makes makes sense. Yeah, I mean like we've been, you know, it's talking and speaking our show today. Yeah, I mean, leveraging technology, right? I think that's one of the beautiful things. I mean, it wasn't even that many years ago. I remember fumbling with uh, QuickBooks installation on my laptop and having like a local data file that I had to like share to an accountant. Like I'm, I'm dating myself, but I remember that was when I was still in New York and I had to go to an accountant's office in 2006, uh, 2007. And uh, then it was this huge file. I remember you had to like, export for an accountant and send to them and uh, I remember that I mean nowadays it's like you said with zero or you know I know you guys are exclusive on that but there's other options too but uh, you know it's some absolutely. now it's now there's ways of sharing pretty easily and uh, it's it and then like you mentioned hub doc and others just by having the data yeah. in recorded at least you know is 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 essential absolutely in collaborating I mean, we
1: have opportunities now where we can share access to a tax accountant in a given country and still have the opportunity because of the ability and the access through technology. We can support the bookkeeping side and the accounting piece of our customer's business, but those areas that become complex or require a significant understanding and discipline within that field, such as tax, we can collaborate globally with a tax accountant within any given country and share details around what's occurring within the business. At the end of the day, regardless of where a company operates, there's cash coming into the business that's through income, and there's money going out of the business that are expenses. The Complexity comes in your country-specific tax rules, that we can collaborate with any tax accountant via web chat as if we were sitting across
0: the table. It's pretty amazing. It's true. It's true. So normally, I know you guys have, you see, have your service, which which we you know re- which we recommend, and we can talk about more maybe some how that works. But I mean, would you say weekly, monthly? I guess it depends on the volume of the transactions. I mean, is there some Absolutely. guideline for rec- re- frequency of I mean, maybe bookkeeping or updating your records?
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's a few best practices. I think you should be in each of your bank accounts reconciling your transactions. And, and what that means is categorizing them against your various income and expense accounts each week. You should be reviewing things like, payable, so bills that require you to action payment every other week. And you should also be managing your personal payroll. I think one topic that would be important for your listeners to understand are strategies around paying yourself. I think often people get into business and they see the vast amounts of softwares and programs that they can link into their website and within their analytics and forget that their business will fail to operate if they are not satisfied and rewarded for their contributions within their business. So it's important to understand what your value is within your business and begin recognizing that value through payments to yourself, whether or not through wages or distributions, depending on what your corporate structure allows. And there's a great methodology, and I alluded to the book earlier, but Profit First by Mike Michalowicz suggests that you even do that first. So you begin taking your cash receipts and allocating a certain percentage of that for owner's compensation. And a quote that was shared was, most people say, well, that's not, putting the client first, thats that might be a, a bit of greed. But the best way to support your clients is to keep your business running. Agreed. And one of the ways to ensure your business runs is to make sure that you're providing for those living expenses and you're satisfied by the return that you're getting for your
0: time and investment into your business. Agreed. I mean, I, I'm going back to back in the day, but it—you yeah, I remember that kind of flashback memory, like day one of making your book, you know, making your business plan is paying yourself, right? And so many of us are, you know, the bootstrapping, hustling entrepreneur that, you know, but I think it's true. You'll, you'll respect what you do and respect uh, your business more if you just put that line item for you to be able to be at least comfortable enough to uh, focus on what you're working on. And you'll also
1: be very strategic on the things you spend money on. I think it's easy if you see these big lump sum net deposits post in your account and you have a feeling like you have all this money to go out and spend. But once you start allocating some towards yourself and you begin managing your expenses on what's left, you begin to think, and and I'm a family guy. And for me, it was easy. In starting out in business, it was: do I want to spend on a, a f- more sophisticated CRM solution, or do I want to put my daughter in dance class? <laughs> well, the the answer was easy. I said, well, you know, I, I'm going to put my daughter in her dance class, and then I'm going to work my butt off to earn more money, and be able to afford that that CRM solution when the money's there. But I very much look at spend as identifying and making sure you capture certainly those things that you need to have, but the nice to have things, make sure that you're taking care of yourself before introducing a lot of those.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, there's no, just dis- no, you know, I think especially the younger, the younger me was like, you know, I, I want to dump everything back into this business. I want to grow it, you know, um, maybe the, I don't know what Gary Vee would say about this. Being at a hustle, that don't sleep, to to make it happen. But yeah, I think if you're not taking right. care of it's your, so, yeah, yeah, if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not healthy and you're not able to, you know, uh, feel comfortable. I mean, it's you can going to hurt your business. I think in the long term.
1: So. I think you'll burn out. I, I think many of us come to these paths where we have other opportunities. We could otherwise earn more money in more traditional settings in the near term, in the early months. And it does take a bit of grind and it takes some hustle. I'm not saying pay yourself an equivalent salary, but make sure you're considering yourself in the mix of expenses. Because what we often see is people build businesses over years and you'll ask them you know, what what they've taken out and what they've rewarded themselves. And it's often little to nothing mm. or even less than what they were making. Yes, there's something to be said about the intrinsic value of doing something you're passionate about and growing something from nothing. But also, you need to be mindful of setting a line in the sand and saying it's okay to recognize myself as an important contributor, just as you would when you're starting to assess in hiring Others to come in and support your business
0: makes sense. So let's maybe go to some more of these tips and tricks. Um, so what are you what are you seeing? Like, is some common? Uh, you mentioned tools or tactics that maybe cross-border e-commerce cross-border business owners are are using.
1: Sure. So I think the more successful ones, what they're doing is they're identifying profitability by sales channel. I think that's critical. I think it's important as an e-commerce seller to understand what platforms are you doing well in and what platforms are you killing it in. It can then allow for you to better adjust your strategy and ad spend into those areas that are most successful for you and your business. Otherwise, I think other tactics that those successful e-commerce clients are doing is They're recognizing and they have an understanding of the difference between inventory and cost of sales. So often we see clients come to us and they have no inventory recognized in their balance sheet. And there's a number of ways you can do that. And I don't want to bore everyone with the accounting, but I feel like at a minimum, you should understand the goods that are in transit and you should understand the goods that are in a warehouse um, ready for sale. And then within that, you should also be adjusting your financials to allocate to expense an equivalent amount of expense to those sales that you've generated. And there's a number of technical ways you can work up and understand what that number is. But it's important that you're not simply recognizing your expenses based on the bills that you're paying for these large um areas of spend within your business in one month and having your sales come two, three months later and not having any expense recognized against it.
0: Make, makes sense. Um, something crossed my mind is obviously, Amazon, I'm sure most a lot of your clients are like 100% FBA or maybe you know, I was talking to somebody just the other day or you know, people trying to build out Shopify, build out build out off amazon but i'm sure uh, you know at least people i talk to are still high heavily in fba and i wonder if i don't know if this is something you can reveal or not but you say profitability i mean they're i'm wondering amazon is probably a volume is also probably profitable but they probably do you would you be able to reveal or share or know about like would you say what would you say most people are profitable versus because I think usually if people sell on their own like say website shopping cart, it might be a more profitable might not be as volume as an fBA. Is that something you that's would exactly
1: say? right that's mm. that's exactly right. I mean you're gonna lose thirty plus percent it's you know margin due to various Amazon fees. So I think one other tip I would give is understand how to extract your payment detail report from Seller Central and begin to work either through Excel pivot tables or through tools like A2X to understand the split of expenses from your true gross sales numbers within Amazon. Because then you'll have visibility to your storage fees and your FBA charges. And within that, you'll have a true sense of the volume sales, but as you mentioned, the re, the expense that goes into operating within Amazon. It's an amazing platform. It's going to get you exposure that you wouldn't otherwise have, but there's also cost for that. Absolutely, you're going to make higher margins on selling direct on your website if you're priced competitively, but you're not going to have as great a reach um, in, in selling to those people and, and having that awareness of brand
0: agreed and then i think just a follow up point i know you're you're uh, not you're not a broker but i'm sure you probably deal with brokers like obviously we've had there's a few we know in our networks but usually i think buyers are looking for multi channel right and and i think a real brand would have i don't know what would you do you have any I insights agree. about that I think,
1: yeah i think it's like anything else what if one day amazon decided to private label your product and they began to pump in ad spend that represented their product well above yours. You don't want to be held hostage by one sales channel. It's important to be across multiple sales channels so that in the event either there was um, a competitor that started to outsell you or I even had a client where there was an individual that was able to access their account that was changing their key search terms and it dropped their rankings to a place where it nearly sank their their business and because of the processing time that it took to get things fixed it nearly destroyed them so you want to have opportunities where you're getting exposure you're achieving sales across numerous platforms so in the event that one platform changes their, their algorithms or has, um, you know, a limitation on how you're able to put your products in front of customers. You continue to maintain the growth that you've
0: had year over year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, uh, is there like a percent I, I heard a broker saying like, you know, at least thirty percent off Amazon to be considered a true brand? Don't know if that's something you would agree with. Or, no, I don't have no yeah. I don't have
1: that type of insight.
0: Yeah, I mean that'd be an interesting that'd be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I'm thinking of something on my list. Um and then I guess uh, next question is so going off Amazon is is hard though. I mean, both on the marketing as well as not just the marketing, but the fulfillment. I know you could use FBA fulfillment for uh, uh, for uh, non Amazon channel, but of course they're expensive, and why would you do that? But you know, I think the next challenge of going multi channel, in addition to bookkeeping, but I think I want to tie it back to bookkeeping is using a third party fulfillment center outside of Amazon, that gets into even more complexity, multiple warehouses. I mean, that 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 topic is massive and a huge headache. I don't know if do you want to have insights, I mean, from maybe a bookkeeping standpoint maybe of multiple warehouses, multiple fulfillment technology I one, channels, I mean. it It
1: relates to bookkeeping and it's something that I feel people should become aware of because the rules are changing. And it's around sales tax. So where you begin to store products in various warehouses in numerous states, you begin to define what's called nexus and and have nexus within those states. And there was a ruling in South Dakota, and it was the Wayfair case. That began to recognize that if you had goods stored in a certain state and you sold to customers within those states if you achieved a certain volume of sales then you were required to collect and remit back to the state sales tax so this was always a, a very gray area in e-commerce and it's becoming more and more clear because more states are beginning to follow suit and where you have nexus, you're required to file. So in some cases, you may have a requirement in an administrative burden to begin remitting and filing sales tax returns each month or even on a quarterly basis to 17 or 23 different states. So it's something that plays right into that multi-distribution
0: multi, um, center model you were talking about. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just so much really to talk about, but there's, um, you know, I I mean, I know it's zero. I think there's others, too. I mean, as far as the technical part, I mean, I think there's some sellers, and I'll I'll be honest, sometimes even me. I mean, we just kind of do like a monthly net of our total, (laughs) and we're not breaking it down always. But the more more granular you can get, right, of per item – Per, you know, the profitability of each item, and then, you know, there's FIFO and FIFO. I'm, I, I'm honestly one of these, one of these bad people about bookkeeping, but you know, then there's yeah, there's FIFO you're on to death. Yeah, there's first <laughs> in, first out, last in, last first out. I mean, but then you know, of course, the inventory tracking is. I know sellers want to know exactly which item is the most profitable, right? And which channel? And you can get so you, you mentioned pivot tables, and there's obviously softwares like Zero and others. Yeah. I mean, that can get down to that level. I mean, it. But then you're also kind of re- reliant on your fulfillment center's data uh, tracking and and things like that.
1: And I think what's important is cover the basics first. I think yes, there is an interest, and in, sellers want that level of detail. But you can't get there if you don't first understand how much money are you making in your business in a given year. How much of that money you're making in your business is coming through, as we mentioned earlier, each of your sales channels. Which of you know how much of your money are you spending as a percentage of sales on things that will drive growth in your business, like ad spend. Um, you know, I think it's important to understand those things like profitability, by skew, but only after you've had a clear understanding of the big picture. And I think what we're finding is people fail that step first. So we try to take a step back and say, okay, let's get you organized and achieve step one before we look to get to step 27.
0: Agreed. All right. Well, this has been a great talk. And I I know we're both dads and uh, there's kids around. And um, is is there any last points? I mean, of course, we'll talk about your service too. But is it before we get into maybe talking about how you guys work? Is there is there any other last last points you'd want to bring up? I think that was kind of like seems like a really good one you just said. But give you a chance to add something.
1: Well, I think I've covered most of the, the bookkeeping, strategy, systems, process, conversations. I am most excited to be a dad.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think we we talked earlier, but we haven't shared yet. I'm the father of five. Wow! So my wife and I had two children, and we were then surprised with triplets. So I now have five-year-old triplets, and the opportunities that have been made available to me – In being more entrepreneurial and working with a global distributed business and with a a team that's dispersed across, I believe now, eight different countries, has given me the flexibility to really be involved and intentional in the time that I spend with each of my kids. I'm that dad at the field trips. I'm that dad at each and every dance recital T-ball practice and school play that's out there. And the reason I can do that is because of the flexibility that I now have in, in being a partner in a online business.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing for, uh, you know, me, I moved recently about a year, a little bit less than a year ago, was recording, but from China to Thailand. And yeah, I mean, basically, it's, am- it's an amazing world and, and an amazing opportunity. And to be a yeah being a parent as well as still being a business owner and uh and running it mostly from anywhere so i think a lot of our listeners are in that position some are maybe not yet or are working towards that but but it's an amazing time and i hope more i hope everybody gets that opportunity so thank you so much wayne for sharing about being ninjas i think a lot of listeners are familiar with you guys been around a while and doing well um but uh do you want to share a little bit about how how you guys work or how people can find you
1: Sure. So Be Ninjas, we deliver zero bookkeeping services, small business bookkeeping, coaching, and training. We could be found at BeNinjas.com. We have a course that we recently rolled out specific to e-commerce sellers and also a second course that we designed specific to bookkeeping systems and processes for virtual assistants as we identified in our build out of our initial course that a lot of business owners were asking if we could train their virtual assistants to support a lot of their bookkeeping activities so we identified a course and designed one specific
0: to the virtual assistant audience perfect yeah that sounds great and uh yeah we'll we'll link up your site and of course people can can find you online Wayne. thank you again enjoy your uh friday evening it's my saturday morning we're we're true hustlers you know and dads but uh, i think this was a great show and thank you for sharing awesome mike it was a pleasure to be on thanks for having me Do you want first access to our cross-border summit? Do you want to engage and get on monthly calls with other amazing people in the community? Then definitely check out gfavip.com. This is a private community and benefits and discounts for those that are very much wanting to support and get involved with the community here at Global From Asia. It's a way to help the show continue and we really appreciate all of those people that have been applying. It is application only. We want this to be about quality and important people in the cross-border business and e-commerce community. If you are interested to get involved with us, connect with me and other amazing people on monthly calls, private groups, and of course getting first dibs to the cross-border summit as well as discounts, definitely check it out, www.gfavip.com. Alright, thank you, Wayne, so much for sharing your brain. Taking that brain out, part of that brain, and putting it into the internet and into a radio show or a podcast. I do appreciate that. And I hope others appreciate that. Definitely, Bean Ninjas is a pretty awesome one. We cooperate with them at Unipro Consulting Limited, our partner company for company registration in Hong Kong. So, if you are interested in having some companies, do your bookkeeping, keeping your books up to date specifically within zero and others it would be very much appreciated if you check them out you know no affiliate links no uh no really incentive to do that but you know Merrill and others i've watched them grow and develop over the years so they are uh, an amazing company that really helps their clients and especially e-commerce internet businesses to keep their books in order So, of course, as in anything, you can do anything yourself. You can register companies yourself. You can do your bookkeeping yourself. You could do your sourcing yourself, your quality control yourself. You could do your payments. I guess you could do your payments yourself. You could stuff a suitcase of cash and fly to that place and give them a suitcase of cash. But as you hear in the show, we have different service providers and experts and consultants that can help business owners and traders do their business better, and Beanage is one of them. Thanks again for them contributing to the community. I'll do my blah, blah, blah a little bit. I'm kind of on the road and doing this on a dining room table, so I will uh, maybe not do 10 minutes, but bookkeeping is extremely important. I remember when I first started to do mine for my first e-commerce business, Mm think I didn't really do much more than Excel for 2004, which is mostly negatives, because when you start businesses, your sales are probably zero for a while, and it's mostly costs, but you still should track that. So we were tracking that, Andrew, my uh, partner in that first business, and me in that studio apartment in Manhattan, New York City, 24th Street and Third Avenue, was Excel spreadsheet, and we had one computer that we shared when we started. with <laughs> my laptop, he didn't have a laptop, and we would just take turns using the computer, and what we did is an Excel spreadsheet. So that is obviously a critical first step. Of course, you don't gotta spend money on Xero or QuickBooks, but a little bit for my blah, blah, blah here and my use of bookkeeping, we then switched to QuickBooks, and that was before it was QuickBooks Online. That was when it was this software. You had to spend like $200 or something, and it was like CDs. You had to install the software on your laptop or your computer, and we had no idea how to use this stuff. It was like overheating my, I don't know what laptop I had, Lenovo or IBM ThinkPad, or some kind of crappy laptop that would reset if you unplugged it because the battery was burnt out on it. <laughs> and so I found a QuickBooks consultant in Manhattan, and uh, I forget her name. She was a nice, nice woman, and she thought we were totally insane because it was, like, sometime in 2005. And we were like, can you help us? We installed this software. And I didn't know how to do chart of accounts and figure out what expense classifications for this or that. And, you know, I like to keep things funny. But, you know, look, one of the cool things about selling bar supplies online is those bar receipts are, uh, are legitimate business expenses. So you had, like, tons of receipts of, uh, you know this bar, that bar, and we're like, what do we classify those in in QuickBooks? Uh, (laughs) T&E, travel and entertainment? (laughs) I guess that's a business expense. And, uh, you know, anything can be a business. You you know, you can really put anything as, uh, you know, in your books. Of course, people ask me, you know, with this trade war, can I say it's made in Hong Kong and send my Chinese goods from Hong Kong? you could do anything, you know? Yeah. I could forge documents and lie and say my factory in Hong Kong and not mainland China. You could also take a business expense from a, a nightclub in Manhattan and say it's a uh, business development. <laughs> but it, if it, you know, anything can be done. It's just if anybody asks, you know, and, uh, unfortunately if you're too small, it's not worth the, uh, the big dogs to bother you, but, you know, I'm trying to make this ending segment a little bit fun, but she thought we were insane with our huge envelope of receipts of nightclubs that had probably beer stains on it and other things, but uh, we were trying to figure out how to put this into this amazing new software that was overheating my I don't know, 1999 laptop from college <laughs> and try to uh, figure out how to enter transactions into it and what to put what. But, you know, I think uh, uh, the good thing about using a software instead of an Excel spreadsheet is it does make reports easier. Of course, you could do reports in Excel with like macros or all this other crazy stuff. But I think once you get to that point and once you get the data into a zero or a QuickBooks, you can then actually try to run reports and then you can actually look at how many nightclubs have you gone for business purposes in the last month. <laughs> or you can see, you know, travel costs, how much you're spending on marketing, how much how much money you're giving Jeff Bezos and Amazon for your PPC ads compared to your product sales and what is your real margins and even some advanced stuff. Like if you can get the data, you can see what's your most profitable products you know and what's your most popular product that might be a little bit tri- tricky in even these accounting systems because you'd have to pull in all your products into it but all I'm trying to say is you know start with Excel I don't want to you know we just had a workshop and uh, there were some new new entrepreneurs starting and I remember you know don't get so complex. At the beginning, but at least have the habit of trying to keep track of all those expenses and all those negative losses as you try to to hustle and grind and build your first business or your current business or your new business but if you're already doing it you know sometimes you're like I didn't do accounting for the last three years or I just gave bank statements to my accountant and hope I did it all right but uh you know I'll be honest I've been there with certain things I've done maybe you don't want to backdate the last three years cause maybe you don't want to pay a ton of money to a worker or a company like being ninjas to go back in time. Maybe pick a date or maybe pick a year, maybe say January 1st. I'm going to go back to January 1st or maybe it's, maybe listen to this in December and you're like, hey, what's my new year's resolution? Maybe just start from the year going forward to have better accounting, better bookkeeping, better, better tracking. And, and one thing I like to say is maybe, you know, one good thing about having partners is accountability. Maybe your partners or your investors or your team have like a weekly report that you actually look at. Don't just put the numbers into a data system. Actually try to look at the numbers and think like what is working, what's not working, you know? What is is getting the biggest ROI? Is it by PPC on Amazon donating to the, Amazon cause and the Amazon foundation or is it, you know, the Google ads or Facebook ads or is it like trade shows or is it maybe that cross-border summit ticket I bought, you know, and I invested in cross-border summit. Maybe that was the best investment for my business that year. I made some business connections. I made some deals. I met some amazing people. I supported the podcast Stuff like that. You know, you got to look at all those costs, all those sales. What did get you the best ROI for your business? What was working and what wasn't working and adjust, you know, maybe weekly, at least I would say monthly and also quarterly. I I do for the Sistano stuff, I I make a quarterly report and you don't have to get so crazy, right? What's your top line? What's your expense, total expenses? What's some one time costs that maybe wouldn't be on recurring costs that hit the company or maybe positively impacted a company, but you shouldn't look at it as a regular thing. And then uh, try to, you know, make that a simple report, send it out to your team, send it out to different people. I think your job as the founder or the owner or the executive or the active person working in a company is to know your numbers, to know what's working, to know what's not, be able to actually present that clearly to others in the company, whether it's employees or whether it's partners or uh, investors, you know, I think you got to know your numbers, know what's working, know what's not. So as much as you might be like me and be the artist and the creator and not into the numbers, it's, it's your job if you want to really be a business owner is to run your numbers, know your numbers, and uh, be able to present those numbers to others that uh, need to see it. Especially we've had other pe- business brokers on the podcast, and I think Wayne even mentioned it in the show, if you ever want to sell your company, or if you ever want to get investors, you have to be able to show numbers. You're gonna ask, "What's your numbers?" So, and I know, I know, I know how it goes. You know, I know how it goes. Sometimes things get out of control and you get behind. But I think, for at least, if you want to sell your company or maybe raise money or something, at least you need a, a year, at least I think, but probably more like two years of pretty, pretty clear financials for them to look at before they probably would even consider investing or buying or partnering with you. So. You know, hustle if you're starting. Try to keep at least a spreadsheet. When you get a little bit of money and it gets a little bit more complicated, invest in some kind of software like QuickBooks and Zero, and there's some others. GoDaddy, we've had people on the show say, I actually have that for the uh, Sistano company, but uh, any kind of software. And then if you got money, Pay uh, pay somebody. Pay Bean Ninjas. Pay uh pay pay me some freelancer or hire somebody in your company or do it yourself. Probably doing it yourself is the best because you actually see the transactions and you're thinking about them as you're data entering that into your software or there's obviously auto imports but if you just auto import you still got to look at the numbers i think looking at the numbers looking at the report and thinking about it is the most valuable part i hope this is helpful i hope you enjoyed the interview with wayne thanks wayne for coming on and the blah 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 segment at the end is over and this show 255 global from asia is over thank you for listening bye-bye